Lenny, have you been out on the street lately? Do you know how weird it is out there? We've taken our own headcount. There seem to be three million completely miserable assholes living in the tri-state area. Oh, please. I beg your pardon, three million and one. Hey. And what Budgie Brain here doesn't realize is that if we don't do something fast, this whole place is going to blow like a frog on a hot plate. What am I supposed to do? Go on television and tell 10 million people they have to be nice to each other? Being miserable and treating other people like dirt is every New Yorker's God-given right. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or best steps in the past. I'm Tristan. I'm Greg. Wow. Well, hey, Yay. I'm Owen. We're back. We're back. Oh. All the buttons you ever dreamed of, Greg. Charlie Wilson's in the house. You can't quite reach them, but I, will, I can. Yeah, I feel like you're going to become a, a true button buttonman. Finally. I have to. I mean, the pressure's on. It's, you have to. I've got big shoes to fill. Uh-huh. It's very astute on your part. Yes, indeed. You can astute yourself. You should You should astute yourself when you're talking to Ara, <laughs> your wife. I think I told you. I was, at, I was at a conference this week and someone said astute twice. <laughs> you forget that it's a real word and it's not just a silly joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it or is it? Is it not just a big silly joke? It is a big silly joke. Some people don't get. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. It's 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 the Andy Kaufman of words. Oh, it really. It, you know what? That's a stoop. Oh, there you go. Hey, hey now we're cooking with gas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tristan, I've been I've been doing a lot of drinking these last couple of days. Oh, me too. Have you? Well, I've been at a conference. I've been haven't been having blinders, but just high mm. frequency. High frequency. Yeah, yeah. I had a couple of big ones back to back, which I don't like to do the old back to back, but. I don't um, have it in me. I don't have it in me, but I'm, but here we are. I was in La La Land, the old city of angels. Mm. Um, mm. And, uh, Los Angeles. My Uber driver was kind enough to point out Nakatomi Plaza, which was nice. That's cool. And did it turn, did it turn out that he was actually Argyle? <laughs> it was. How'd you know? Relax. We got everything in this mug, man. Look at this. CD, CB, TV, telephone, full bar, VHS. Um, very astute on your part. It's very astute on your part. I thought it was pretty astute. But yes, here we are. And, uh, you know, we've got here the buttons. I feel like we're getting back closer to uh, to our comfort zone with some of these things. I mean, we're getting used to the time zone difference a little bit. Yeah. What's the time there, Greg? It's like 10 a.m. on Sunday. It's not too bad. It's 8, 8 p.m. on a Saturday. Okay. Are you going out tonight? Uh, opposite. I had we had uh, an early dinner and some drinky yeah, poos. Staying in, and um, I'm just going to continue continue to have some drinky poos. Oh shit! You got a you got a you got a little glow on. There's a hue. There's a hue. Ah, oh. I've got the telly set up now because we just moved in. I want to I want to sit on the couch and watch yeah, some yeah. good quality telly tonight. Yeah. Well, you've been you you moved in and then you and then you've spent a week in LA, so you're probably hankering for some couch drinking. Couch drinking, exactly, exactly. Hey, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk oh, about yeah. a little film called Ghostbusters oh, yeah. Part Two, the second one. Duh. Redux. Wait, no, that's not. <laughs> um, this has been a long time coming. We've been wanting to do. There's a, only a few movies. We've done a few big movies, but 
even fewer have we done the sequels of. Ghostbusters 2, it's a big one. And, of course, we're, we're, we're towards the tail end of our miniseries, um, which, is, which is titled um, Films in Which New York is Almost Sort of Kind of a Main Character, wouldn't you say? Mm, um, mm, rolls off the mm. tongue. Uh, and, of course, you know, Ghostbusters 2, come on, it's right there. Came out in 89, this one, Greg. Two 89s in, the, in a row, which I know puts you in a tough position from a member berry point of view. And we will feel that today. <laughs> we will feel that toughness um, in the form of a lousy member berry. Mm. So what I wanted to touch on today, and I'm really keen to, you know, have get your experiences with this subject, products have been shrinking. Okay. Products have been shrinking. And it was in 1989 that the Hershey's. You, you dealt with Hershey's much? Yeah, actually, it's a it's a it was a client where I used to work. I never worked on it though. Yeah, right. Pretty famous chocolate over the. It's like a Cadbury of America or something. I kind of made that yeah, up. Yeah, we don't but. really have Cadbury here. Like it shows up here and there, but it, this is Hershey Town, USA, baby. Yeah, well, the the fact is that they they shrunk their product. They 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 had some. Um, it was a technicality I hear. Oh, yeah? And they basically, they were like the, the pioneers of reducing the size of the product uh, back in 89. They got some legal thing where they changed the ingredients. I don't know. Right. It's, very, it's, very, it's, very, it's legal-based, Tristan. It's legal. Yeah. It's the law. There's all these corporate fat cats. Yeah, corporate fat cats. chocolate then, into smaller portions. Yeah, and they shrunk it, man. And this is something... It's close to my heart. Uh, the, the, the shrinking Big Mac. Can you tell me a Big Mac has not shrunk? Okay, this is the thing. I don't know what the definitive answer is on this. There is. I do follow um, a. I follow a few Facebook groups because of this pod on just you know old stuff basically. Yeah, and um, it's interesting because a lot of it I actually find quite off-putting. Because yes, we, we dabble in nostalgia here at Double Impact Podcast, but but we don't uh, not toxic nostalgia, not like. Oh, you know, you couldn't get away with this anymore, or you know, they don't make it like they used to. We don't, we don't do that so much. But there was, I did Not see so something much. with the with the humble Fredo Frog and how that's evolved over the years. Oh yeah, and that's definitely gotten smaller. That there was, there was like a big, delicious looking premium product in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, quite a artisanal looking creature. <laughs> but yeah, I wouldn't. Be, I always wondered with things like the Big Mac, is it just that we're getting bigger? Man, it's definitely shrunk. It's like yeah. it's like this big now. It's a I'm slider. Gesturing. It's a slider. So is Hershey's – I was thinking you might be going, is like Hershey's Kisses just a way to sell a smaller amount of chocolate for the same amount of money? Was it something like that or just everything, they just made it smaller? I think they're regular bars because they've got a bar yeah. as well. I yeah. think that was what the shrinking was. I think there was some controversy with Cadbury a few years ago doing the same thing. Uh-huh. Cadbury cream eggs are getting smaller. I had a couple of those this year. They're they're small now. They used I've to got be to get big. two of them. You got to get at least two, at least, mm. at least. So anyway, it's just something to keep in mind. Yeah, movies get longer when you're going about your business. Movies get longer. There's more Marvels, and chocolate gets smaller. Yeah. So I told you, back to back eighty nine. You, you weren't going to get a great member berry today, guys. <laughs> you were not. Just the ramblings of a couple of. Uh, Mid to late thirty-year-olds, or oh, very late thirties. I've close. got a week. I've got a week left in my thirties, Tristan. Yeah, embrace it. This Everything this changes. is my, this is our last part in my thirties. I think. Wow. 
Wow. So this kind of is my last 30 minute pod. How about wow. that? Wow. Wow. Big wow. Really? Wow. Um, 1989, you know, big year for um, corporate fat cats in the chocolate industry. Oh. Big year for corporate fat cats in the film industry too. Wasn't it? Man, Indiana Jones and Last Crusade, I'm not going to go through them all because we went through like I'll go through some deeper cuts actually because we went through the top ten last week. Yeah. Some. Uh, why don't I go through the ones we've covered because we have done a lot for this year, which is why it's hard for Greg to find fresh member berries because we did when Harry Met Sally, Christmas Vacation, mm-hmm. Bill and Ted's oh, yeah. Excellent Adventure. Weekend of Bernie's, Kickboxer, um, but we haven't yet done K9. Mm. Oh, we have done Pet Cemetery. Whoa, and Roadhouse and Uncle Buck. Whoa, <laughs> we've done a lot, man. <laughs> no wonder you're out of information. Yeah, shit. <laughs> what do you mean I'm out of information? What, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> There's no more members. <laughs> Shrinking chocolate. There's only six things that happened <laughs> in '89. Um, keep getting these Ronald Reagan facts. I'm like, man, I don't know anything about Ronald Reagan. Yeah, you don't want to get well, something out of our well, well. out of our areas of expertise, of which we have very mm. little. But a big year for sequels too: Last Crusade, Lethal Weapon Two, Back to the Future Part Two. Not the least of which, a little film that came in at number nine that year. A little film called Ghostbusters Two. No, no, um, not hyphen, no colon, no Ghostbusters 2. The, the, hyper the ghost. ghostening, yeah, the re ghostening that would be good. Uh, but I digress, it was a big movie, Greg. It came out in June of 1989, budget of 30 to 40 million dollars, question mark, with a gross box office of 215.4 million dollars. Big stuff, wow, wow, wow. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Interestingly, uh, critic score of 53%, audience score of 61%, with a critic consensus that goes a little something like this. Thanks to the cast, Ghostbusters 2 is reasonably amusing but lacks the charm, wit and energy of its predecessor. Mm. It's relatively astute. It is. Yeah. More on that later. Yeah. We have not spoken about this one at all, not even any cheeky, uh, you know, Slips of the tongue in terms of initial impressions. We have, well, yeah, I've been right. curious. I've been curious of your thoughts, but we we'll have to save that. We're not there yet. Uh, before we get to that, of course, our memories of this film. Did you? Was this a big one for you growing up? I think it was kind of. I think it was kind of big. Yeah. Um, I don't have too much memory of it, and we'll get to that in the rewatch. I think. Yeah. We did like it. There was more to this movie than I remembered. So. Um, Same. Well, like I. Didn't really remember it as well as I thought I did. Kind of <laughs> thing. So my memory is not as good as I thought. And I think it was, you know, I loved the first one. It was a big deal. So I think there was, it was like a, a worthy sequel at the time where you're like, yeah, it's the second one. Oh, man, there's like a lake of goo. Yeah. There's also this thing. The Titanic comes. Yeah. Mine's similar. 89, I was five years old. I was going to say I saw this at the cinema, but maybe I saw it at the cinema like later on at well, Macquarie Uni or something. It might have I don't come, know. 
Yeah. It might have been out the next year for us maybe. It might have been six. Yeah. But I, I remember doing the Ghostbusters one and I think even talking to you in the lead up to this, thinking that this was the one I remembered more. Yeah. And, yeah, not to get too far ahead but I had the same thing. I was like, what is all of this? Oh, so I remembered <laughs> very vividly like Bathtub with Slime. all of this crap? Yeah, I, I, like I think this was my entry point into Ghostbusters. Sorry, mm. I meant to say. Like if this is 89, mm, like right, there's no way right. I watched Ghostbusters 1 before that. And so I, I vividly remember the slime in the bathtub, the painting obviously. I, I think I, maybe I had trading cards or something. Oh, yeah. A bit like the Batman cards. Actually, that was 89 too. Maybe this was like trading card, Tristan, or something. Because maybe. You'd, you'd get these trading cards for all these kinds of movies and you'd see shots from the movie with zero context and you'd always be like, oh, I wonder what that is. Mm. Um, so I think I had that with this, um, with some, you know, cardboard-flavoured gum in the pack. Oh, yeah, a dusty gum. Uh, yeah, so I'm pretty sure I watched it at the cinema, but aside from that, no idea. No idea. Hmm. Um, but it was big, I think. I think. But now yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'm just bucketing all Ghostbusters together now. I don't really know. Who knows? Yeah. So how there you go. You, how are you meant to know? Yeah. Why don't I get into the origin story? Yeah, I think so. Tell us a bit about how this one came to be. Origin story. I reckon I could do the origin story on this one. Oh, yeah? What's that? Go, goes a little something like this. We made some money off the first one. Um, a few years had passed and our chips were down, so we made another one. <laughs> Pretty much because ultimately, yes, but the, the, the time between was very much uh, – a result of these four men, Ivan Reitman, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Bill Murray, holding the keys to this franchise. Like any single one of them had right of veto so that all of them had to be lined to make a sequel. And so most of them weren't that keen. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? There's a lot of them. Yeah. It's like a band. And they were like, you know, they made a good movie and it wasn't necessarily planned to be a franchise Yet, you know, since the first one there's been a cartoon, like it's it's still very mm-hmm. popular. But, you know, Bill Murray, as we talked about with the um the Scrooged episode, he was even not even sure if he wanted to be a movie star. Like he pretty much didn't really make any movies aside from smaller roles until yeah. Scrooged from Ghostbusters. So like that was a whole other thing. But but yeah, eventually eventually they did come together. Um, interesting. I wasn't aware of this. I know Ramus and uh, Murray had some issues later in a in a post uh, Groundhog Day world, but apparently there was some tension between all of them. Ramus said, "You know, there, there was a little air to clear before they could oh, work together." Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so they had to make it clear, and the producer got them all together for a little little, a little lunch, little get together. Oh, nice. In the old Beverly Hills, not New York, not New York. Apparently, no, it's all in California way. Um, yes, it was a mixed bag. The, the four of them, you know, they weren't as tight as they used to be. Um, Bill Murray is, you know, having an existential crisis career-wise. And on the other end of the spectrum, you've got Dan Aykroyd with a series of duds pretty much from Ghostbusters on. He's a man, I know we touched on this last time, but the more I think about Dan Aykroyd, I used to think he was just a guy that I didn't see that much of and there's a whole world there to explore. Meh. <laughs> 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 he's, 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 he, I mean, there's, there's definitely some things there to explore. Fierce and menacing. Uh, yeah, exactly. So there's all that weird stuff going on. And you hear him talk about this movie. Oh, man, there was a clip we used in the, in the 
Ghostbusters 1 episode of him talking some shit about how much money he was making in Canada. and uh, mm. He's a strange guy, man. Yeah. Anyway, but, you know, Spies Like Us, Caddyshack 2, My Stepmother is an Alien. Oh, goodness. Did not set the box office on fire. Um, but silver lining here is these guys all get together for a little lunchy and they all have a pretty good time. So they thought, you know what, what are we doing? We can work together. Let's figure this out. Um, so the next little barrier was negotiations. And what they eventually landed on was one of those great old school deals where they got 10% of, well, the reported number is they each got 10% of box office profits. They have said that's not quite true, but it was big. Yeah, right. Man, Reitman, because, you know, Reitman did um, Twins as well. I remember that Remember that deal with Twins, with the box office, uh, the, the back end. Mm-hmm. Man, that's like... Danny DeVito launched an empire off that shit. So Reitman's like had these deals multiple times. Fucking all over it. town. All over town. He's a stu- He's an astute man. He's an astute man for sure. For sure. Um, Ackroyd had um, an early script that's quite different to what we ended up with. So I thought that could be cool to to talk about here. I'll, I'll do a little reading because I don't remember it off the top of my head. Forgive me. Um, but he wanted to move on from New York City, if you can believe it. Oh. So New York would not have been a main character. He wanted to set the film overseas and provide a contrast to the first film's climax atop a skyscraper by including a subterranean threat. Subterranean threat. So Ghostbusters 2, the wetening. Mm, mm. Mm. Now this draft uh, was following Dana Sigourney, who is kidnapped and taken to Scotland when she discovers a, a fairy ring. A fairy ring. A naturally occurring ring or arc of mushrooms sometimes linked in folklore to fairies or witches and an underground civilization. So the Ghostbusters would have had to travel through an underground mnemonic tube over 2,000 miles long that would have taken three days to traverse. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And he eventually decided that retaining the New York setting would allow for continuity and would be a better fit for the story. Yada, yada, yada. And it's sort of kind of a main character, wouldn't you say? Yeah. It would, it would be easier. Exactly. Let's, be just do the fir- Let's just do the first one again. <laughs> and then thank the Lord he decided to collaborate with Harold Ramis again um, mm-hmm. on the, you know, second draft or whatever. And they obviously took it back to New York. They decided to embrace the five-year gap, so having things happen in between films as, as we saw. And it was Ramis that came up with the idea of the, the, the River of Slime Mm. And uh, he he thought it was a nice metaphor to present a moral issue caused by mm. the buildup of negative human emotions in large cities. Oh. So he considered it a metaphor for urban decay and a call to deliver a human solution. Mm. He said comedically it suggested, what if everyone in New York City had to be nice for 48 hours? That's a nice thought. I like that. Ackroyd, on the other hand, said something weirder. <laughs> <laughs> Ackroyd said, cities everywhere are dangerous. Life has become cheap. You can go to see a movie and get machine gunned on the street. (laughs) They were menacing. And (laughs) movies are menacing. You know what's like the coolest thing he's done almost is like Crystal Skull Vodka until he realized he's done Crystal Skull because he believes that it's there's some alien story behind it. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. uh, 
Oh, oh, Ackroyd, you marvelous weirdo. Yeah, he's he's this weird blend of being a very astute man, like he's a yeah highly successful businessman. Very high, yeah, exactly. I think it would have been interesting. I think we talked about this last time. We did Blues Brothers, right? Yeah, uh, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened to his career if he was able to maintain that dynamic duo. Mm, yeah, a bit of a with the late great David. David Spade, Chris Farley scenario, although David Spade arguably in the world of film has probably done better career-wise, longer term. Yeah. You're talking about Joe Dirt? Yeah, well, he found something, you know. He He's kind of found there. his thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he would be a good talk show host. Anyway, that's a conversation for another time. Um, you know, that, that's the crux of it really. I guess the only other thing which I touched on is that the cartoon became pretty massive. Yeah. And so you're in a scenario where the first film, you know, if you remember the origin story of that, it was quite dark to begin with. It lightened up in execution and in rewrites, but it certainly wasn't written explicitly for kids. Hmm. Fast forward five years later, the franchise is very much kiddie focused and the last thing they want to do is make a movie that alienates that audience. They want to mm-hmm. exploit that audience, baby. Mm. And so Finger that audience. With a, yeah, so they, they pretty much set out to make a very kid-friendly film, which mm. I'm sure we will have some thoughts on uh, very shortly. But Bish Bash Bosh, you got yourself a movie rap party down at the old... Uh, rainbow Room. Yeah, Rainbow Room. Could have been at the Rainbow Room. Could have been. Let's play the trailer. At the stroke of midnight, on New Year's Eve of the last decade of the 20th century, America's largest city is about to pay for the nastiness of its inhabitants. When that day comes, when the slime starts to rise, the Titanic just arrived. When ghosts start arriving by the boatload, we gotta find the guys. There's only one thing to do. Sometimes weird things happen. Someone has to deal with it. And who are you gonna call? Suck in the cuts, guys, with the Ghostbusters. The superstars of the supernatural are back to nuke the spooks. Two in the box. Ready to go. We be fast and they be slow. Make some time. Don't put any of those old cheap moves on you. No, no, no. It's different. I have all new cheap moves. Raise your spirits. If we don't do something by midnight, you will be remembered in history as the man who let New York get sucked down into the 10th level of hell. And kick some slime. Looks like a giant jello mold. I hate jello. Oh, come on. There's always room for jello. <laughs> Happy New Year. Bozum. Ghostbusters 2. You're short. Your belly button sticks out too far, and you're a terrible burden on your poor mother. Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis, and Ernie Hudson in an Ivan Reitman film. Ghostbusters 2. We're the best, we're the beautiful, we're the only Ghostbusters. Good to see Big Earn get a mention in there. Yeah. 
uh, Ernie Hudson because you know he in the first one I don't think his name was even on the poster. Yeah, poor bastard. In researching this episode, I came across some of that stuff again, and I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Remember, it was, it was supposed to be um, uh, Eddie Murphy, right? Yeah, and then he couldn't do it or whatever, and so they got Big Earn. And um, it was only like the day before that he realized the role changed that much. He was supposed to show up on like page eight of the script and then he ended up showing up in page 60 or whatever. 78. Ah, sounds about right. Very astute. Now, you know, that, that trailer gives us, a, you know, it's quite a, it amps you up. It gets you excited. It, it whets the appetite. But mm. um, it doesn't really explain what happened in this film. And, you know, some of our listeners may not have seen it in a while. So, Greg, mm. would you be so kind? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, I, I think you could say... You know, you were talking about the hyphen, what this might be called. I would say it's Ghostbusters 2, Requiem for the American Dream. Oh, I like it. Mm. Five years earlier, we saw our heroes quitting their government jobs to start a business, forging into a new and unknown market, the market of ghost busting. Yeah. And they went on to save the day, to save New York and the world. All starts yeah. with New York. From the world of a ghoul-fueled apocalypse. They were American heroes, Tristan. They were. But the years had not been kind, and despite saving the day and the human race, the busters were hit with crippling financial bills, held accountable for the necessary destruction caused during the events of 85. Is it 85? Let's go with 85. 84, maybe. Sure. 84, yeah. Same, same. But they forge ahead. They don't quit. And when Vigo the Carpathian, a.k.a. Vigo the Terrible, a.k.a. Vigo the Monstrous... Mother of Dragons. The 16th Mother of Dragons, a 16th century European tyrant and magician... When he comes to life from a painting and enslaves Janosch, Dana's boss, Janosch, <laughs> Poha, uh, and he starts trying to steal her baby, <laughs> who are you going to call? Uh, yeah. Police? Who are you going to call? Fire department? Bill, Bill said it. It's Ghostbusters, man. You're going to call fucking Ghostbusters. So, you, you know, I'm, I haven't really explained much there, but think about it. <laughs> Is that the end? Yeah. <laughs> definitely the end. How did they ride the Statue of Liberty into town? <laughs> well, I, wanted to, I wanted to leave it quite high level. <laughs> just, just to keep in the good stuff. Yeah, because we can talk about <laughs> some of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It's easy to take too much of the the goodness of chat away in the synopsis, so I just wanted to keep it. <laughs> yeah, true, true. It's a good point. Um, it is it is interesting though. I'm happy to know that it was a intentional thing around um, you know channeling the anger because you know we definitely think in this day and age that we've got this divisionist. Yeah marginalized society where people, yeah. you know, the politics that has been played out over the last decade or so is a lot of, um, 
divisiveness, you know, and then people get angry at each other. That's the kind of like the way that these politics get played. That's true. Greg, are you saying that what Harold Ramis uh, had in mind and what manifested as slime, we ended up with the internet basically? Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's very stupid. Well, I agree. Are you like that's the quite a cool the slime. Kinda. Well, it's it's partly responsible for the the division because you know you just yeah. get into your echo chamber. A hundred percent. So it's kind of the slime that's that's under the in the sewage below us. It and is piping it into is. our computers right now. Right now. Right now. Um, I agree. That's interesting. And not to trivialize what you just said, but kids these days. They love slime. Do they? Yeah, it's like a whole thing. It's like how to make slime. Oh. From, Kids do like Is that like the the Nickelodeon effect? I think there's like lots of YouTube videos. It may even be over already, but I know it was definitely a trend like a year or so ago. Let's make slime. Maybe like how we would make our own Play-Doh sometimes. But yeah, I, I agree. There's like some interesting things there that kind of more than hold up, it's almost like more astute today. Yeah, in many that's ways. it, right? Like they're they're going through. It's a we can be angry. It's America. It's a New Yorker's right to be angry. I'm like, oh, what? Oh, has this been around that long? We you know, the crime rate that. crime rate in New York has gone up sixty percent year on year. Oh, really? Yes, I'm going to check for slime later tonight. Yeah, Wish there's probably luck. it could be slime. Don't go too. Put on a Ghostbusters outfit. Did the slime cause the bad behaviour or did the bad behaviour cause the slime? I forget. I thought it was the latter. Mm. Yeah. Okay, okay. I think it was very astute of you, Greg, to talk about the metaphor that the slime represents and how that potentially hits harder today. The other thing that I think is equally as astute that hits a bit harder today than it did in 1989 for me personally was uh, Annie Potts being a total babe. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a hell of a segue, man. Um it caught me off guard. She's a babe. You agree then, right? Yeah. She's a babe. What is it about that? I would have preferred more of her. Okay, so we haven't really talked about it. This movie's pretty shit. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like overall I'm like I'm fine with it. It's okay. It's fine. Like yeah. I enjoyed watching it, but it's obviously nowhere near the caliber of It was definitely, one. yeah, it was definitely worse than I was expecting. For some yeah, reason, I was too. like, yeah, this one's the Vigo one. And then I was like. Yeah. All that, like the whole lead up, the first half hour, I was like, I don't remember any of this. For yeah. good re- And for good reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's I think forgettable. I texted you, right? Because I was watching it. I was like, I don't remember. Yeah. All this stuff happened before the slime. Like, what is this? I had to bite, yeah. really had to bite my tongue because I, I had the, I basically had the exact same experience. I was like, what is yeah, until the slime was like, yeah, there it is. Oh, there he is. There's but the there, there's stuff within that that I liked though. Like I did like the fact that they acknowledged five years had passed and that, you know, they obviously had a big heroic moment but they're not necessarily killing – like they had to do a kid's party. Like That's kind of cool. I'm into this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, And Annie Potts and yeah, Rick she, Moranis and Annie Potts. That was – I was enjoyed great. the two of them. And he was great. He's the highlight of the whole thing. He is actually. Underutilized. Um, yeah, he, na- he nailed it. He felt like the others we, we took more. Uh, yeah, he he felt like he was the only one trying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can tell Bill Murray, well, you never know because part of Bill Murray's shtick is to seem like he's yeah. not trying, I guess. But I, I was watching um, just before we started recording, I was watching it 
when they all went on Oprah to promote this film. And there were a couple of sly comments made. Like what? So they were talking about that scene where the three of them got slimed and not Bill Murray. Sigourney Weaver said, yeah, Bill managed to get through the whole movie without getting slammed at all. And Dan Aykroyd was like, yeah, and he never had to wear one of our packs either. Wait, why did I do it like a Conan old timey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I tell you what, he never had to put on one of our packs either. <laughs> why did you do that voice? He kind of has, he has, his voice is like a modern version of that, I guess. But yeah, it, there were sly comments that they said, you know, lightheartedly, but I feel like there was truth to them where Bill Murray probably was just like, I'll do the movie, but I'm not fucking doing the getting slimed in the freezing cold and that other bullshit. I'm wearing a suit the entire time mm. and I'm going to have a, Basically, separate movie with Sigourney. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. But Moranis was good. Moranis in the courtroom scene. Your Honor, ladies and gentlemen of the, of, the, of the audience, I don't think it's fair to call my clients frauds. Okay, so the blackout was a big problem for everybody, okay? I was stuck in an elevator for two hours and I had to make the whole time. But I don't blame them because one time I turned into a dog and they helped me. Thank you. Delight. That was enjoyable. Miranda suiting up. I mean, it's cheesy, but I'm here for it. I don't care. Miranda suiting up. I'm down. Um, love interest with Annie Potts, of course. That's that's good stuff. You know, I thought her character name you was. You thought her name was Pepper Potts. Well, yeah, a few things. I thought her name was Pepper Potts, <laughs> but that's for mine, man. And I thought her character's name was Annie Potts or Pepper Potts, but that's the actress's name. Mm. It sounds like a fake name. It's a, such a great name. What's her name in the movie? I forget. Should be Annie Potts. Maybe, maybe it's Pepper. Maybe it is. And you've been <laughs> right this whole time. But yeah, overall, it's it's not quite the first one. It, it does feel cartoony. Like I'd kind of forgotten that the cartoon happened, and I'm I was watching it thinking like this feels funny. I don't know what it is. Like it, it almost felt like I'm watching a TV show or something based off Ghostbusters. It just didn't have the same. I don't know something. Mm. And the yeah. And and in hindsight, cartoony is probably the right word. It felt a little cartoony. Yeah. Like more slapsticky and like, whoa. Yeah. It's just lame. Bit lame. Yeah. Yeah. Like there, there, there was elements, as you say, like there was elements there, but they didn't lean into a, I don't know, why did it suck? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I would. I'd, I'd probably still will watch this again. Like at the end. Of the yeah, day. same. This is the thing because I was not to jump ahead, but when I was thinking of my final verdict on this one, like I'm definitely going to watch it again. Mm. Who am because I kidding? The thing is, the first one is awesome, but it's not like fucking 2001: Space Odyssey or something. Like it's just fun, and this mm. is still fun. It's just not as much fun. So it's not like you know, there's some kind of artistic integrity that's been breached it's just not as fun <laughs> it's not as good mm. but it's it's all bubblegum anyway so it's not you know whatever but i don't know it's interesting to look at this now and think about the the ghostbusters films that have been made since and how polarizing they have been yeah. um have you seen and the i new guess one? yes i watched it on the flight over here and um it's fine but I guess it's just interesting the way like fandom really protects these first two and and then saying like, you know, the all-female one in 2015 or whatever was so terrible. But it was kind of on par with this one, I think, really. That was fine. Did you watch that one? No, I would. It's fine. I mean, I, I probably won't watch it again. It was okay. And then, yeah, I watched the newest one, which was interesting, but it was very much just the – 
Stranger Thingsification of <laughs> Ghostbusters. Mm, yeah, that's what it looked like. Yeah, what if we take Ghostbusters and we set it in a small town like Stranger Things and we and we have kids like Stranger Things and we get one of the why kids we, from Stranger Things. Why don't we get the kids from Stranger Things? <laughs> and there were things that didn't make sense. There was so much um, uh, fan service and like Easter eggs, but it didn't actually make sense plot-wise. Like the delightful Paul Rudd is in it and he's obviously a highlight, but there's a sequence where all these little marshmallow men come to life. Mm. But that only happened in the first one because that was the thing that Dan Aykroyd happened to be thinking, Ray happened to be thinking of. Remember that was the, you know, that's the whole thing. Mm. It's not that there is a bad marshmallow man out there or a, a demon marshmallow thing. It just happened as a result of something that happened in the plot of that movie. It bears no relevance later on. But anyway, it was, it was fine. It was okay. It's whatever. Um, I don't hate it. I don't love it. But it wasn't in New York. So what are they doing? What are they doing? <laughs> Not enough long grass. They seem, <laughs> they seem to like have liked the long grass for that film. True. It's not bad. I would watch it. Like I wouldn't say don't watch it. It's terrible. And, you know, Jason Reitman made it, um, son of. Yeah, it's facts. So, you know, even out of respect, why not watch it? But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think there's just this thing with Ghostbusters and I think the fact that there's two of them in terms of the OG ones and I think just as a culture, in a, in a franchise culture, we all just want a third one, <laughs> like it, to make mm-hmm. it a nice, really rounded trilogy. And there was going to be an official third. Well, I guess the new one is the third one theoretically, but, you know, it's obviously a much later mm. loosely connected Lego sequel. But there was going to be a more direct sequel. Oh, yeah? Called um, Ghostbusters 3 Hellbent. So that had a colon and a name. Sequels are like humans. You've got to have a colon. Well, uh, Ghostbusters I mean, 3. is it even a sequel if you're not coloning? Yeah, you got a colon, mate. you got a colon. Um, I, so I looked it up. I got, a little, I got a little bit about what Ghostbusters 3 Hellbent would have been. Nice. So it's interesting. It would have, I think it still would have been some years later, not to the extent of the, the latest one, but later enough for it to be, you know, a new generation aspect to it. So what do we got here? Hang on a second. Plot wise. All right. So the plot, I'm reading this off the internet. So forgive me if it's not hundred percent accurate. Those just pronounced the colons. Colon. The concept reportedly would have had the characters transported to an alternate version of Manhattan called Manhelton. Oh, go on. Where the people in the places are hellish versions of their originals and they meet the devil. So Dan Aykroyd said, uh, the concept, the concept <laughs> is that, <they're, laughs> that there's a positive image of life and there's negative image of life, you see. And basically saying that this Manhattan is the negative component, the negative answer to the positive Manhattan that we all know and love. Hell is right next door. It's like those old tin type photos where you turn them one way and they look positive, then you flick them slightly and they look negative. That's our concept. So this idea of this uh, positive-negative um, scenario was was quite fun. Settle in New York, do a Hades version of New York, yada, yada, yada. But what I thought was interesting, as we tend to find most interesting in these scenarios, was casting. Now, it was never officially cast because it was never made, but the people they had in mind for some of the new gen are really quite astute. Oh, yeah? It's very astute on your part. Chris Farley. Yeah. Chris Rock. Ben Stiller. That kind of works. Like if this is a late 90s 
Yeah. You're talking the right names. Yeah. And Paul, on that note, Paul Rudd is is great. Well, he would have only he would have only been fifty at the time. <laughs> it's such a shame. I, I get the feeling he was probably attached to another version of Ghostbusters earlier, and he ended up in the one that he ended up in. But because he wasn't like a Ghostbuster in this new one as so much, but he would be. He's the perfect guy to play Ghostbuster. Yeah, he should be speaking. busting ghosts and saying things while he does it. Yeah. But needless to say, that film didn't happen, Greg. Um, and I think we said last time the the closest thing to an official third one in terms of that tight trilogy is that video game that got made because mm. the whole cast came back and everything. I never I played the beginning of it. And I didn't get that far, but apparently it's pretty good. Apparently it's not bad. Yeah, not bad. Oh, hey, Greg. You know, I'm I'm no genius. You know. <laughs> uh well, yeah. <laughs> you are a genius. Let's not beat around the bush. Okay. Well, you know, like you know, they tried to make a sequel. Many other people tried to make sequels, and then they couldn't do it. You know, in this scenario, I, w- I would usually try to do a repitch. Um, but yeah, who am I? I'm listening to say that I can do better than all those others. You're Tristan. I thought this week I could outsource the repitch. Oh yeah. To artificial intelligence. What? Yeah, so I came across this tool this week from a friend of the show, Matt Scotton. He sent it to me for work-related purposes, but I obviously went off on a tangent. (laughs) (laughs) And and so I I worked with this AI tool to come up with a repitch for Ghostbusters 2. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll take you through the journey. So the first question I asked. I'm listening. I'm going to give it a robot voice too. We can call her Hal in honour of, you know, Hal. Hal. (laughs) <laughs> from uh, 2001 and I've given her a voice uh, so I'll play her voice when I ask the questions but um, it's not really how the tool works I've just added that for effect because you know I'm all about the theatre mm-hmm. uh, but the first question I asked was how what would a better plot be for the film Ghostbusters 2 this is this is what Hal had to say a better plot for the film Ghostbusters 2 could be that the Ghostbusters are called to investigate a series of hauntings across the country they discover that the ghosts are being controlled by a powerful demon and they must find a way to stop it. Along the way, the Ghostbusters must face off against new and more powerful ghosts, and they will also have to deal with the personal challenges that come with being a Ghostbuster. Additionally, the story would introduce new characters and explore the origins of the ghosts. So not bad. It touches on some things, but it's pretty generic, it's, wouldn't you say? It's perfectly generic. <laughs> I mean, it is, it's pretty funny how it is obviously very generic, but I'm... I get the feeling this might be what Ryan Reynolds and The Rock use for their movies. Um, but then I, then I said, okay, okay. an explosion. <laughs> because this, you only have one leg. Um, I, I asked uh, our friend Hal then, I said, okay, can you add a double plot twist? And this is, this is what she had to say. The powerful ghost is actually a former Ghostbuster who was possessed by a demon. The Ghostbusters must find a way to save their friend and defeat the demon. However, the demon is too powerful and it takes over one of the Ghostbusters. The possessed Ghostbuster then starts to hunt down and kill the other Ghostbusters one by one. <laughs> it gets pretty dark. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Yeah. It's, not, it's getting more interesting one by but it's one. getting a lot <laughs> one by one, but it's getting a lot darker. So then I decided, okay, Copy all right, me. Hal, um, what could be some jokes for the film? <laughs> what are some ideas for jokes? This is this is what she said. 
Some ideas for jokes in the film Ghostbusters 2 could be that the Ghostbusters are constantly bickering with each other, they are always getting into dangerous situations, and they often make mistakes that put them in danger. Additionally, the jokes could focus on the personal challenges that the Ghostbusters face, such as relationship problems and dealing with ghosts. Yeah, so uh, the comedy category is probably fairly safe at this point when it comes to AI. Oh, there, have you seen that thing that's a stand-up just on that comedy and AI? Have you seen that? It's 30 minutes of stand-up brought to you by AI? No. It's basically a computer-generated stand-up set. Really? Because before I, I got that? to that one, I, I I did ask it for a – I said, um, tell me a joke about Australians and Americans. And it <laughs> – I mean, it, it, let me preface this by saying it wasn't hilarious, but it was a joke. It said, why did the American cross the road to get to the other side? Why did the Australian cross the road to get to the pub? That was pretty good. Mm. That's not bad. But then um, on that note, I did ask, what would the funniest joke in this script be? Yeah. And Hal, Hal said... Uh, One of the funniest jokes in the Ghostbusters 2 script could be when the Ghostbusters are arguing with each other and one of them says, I'm not going to listen to you three idiots anymore. I'm going to go find a real job. Ooh. Yeah. Saucy. Zing. <laughs> this, is, this is awesome. So then I was like, okay, we've got a couple of jokes. We've got a plot, double plot twist, the double, mm-hmm. and um, we've got a line. hilarious joke. So on the other end, I, I wanted to ask, uh, what would the scariest ghost be? And uh, Hal said, One of the scariest ghosts in the Ghostbusters 2 script could be the demon that possesses the former Ghostbuster. The demon would be incredibly powerful and would be able to control the other ghosts. Additionally, the demon would be able to kill the Ghostbusters one by one. <laughs> so <she> really? <laughs> <laughs> Greg's lost it. One by one. <laughs> I love when there's a little evil flair to AI. It really is uh, alarming. It's, it's our future. <laughs> but then also, like we were saying, I thought, you know, Rick Moranis was a true highlight in this film. I thought, how could we give Rick Moranis's character a bigger role in saving the day? Rick Moranis' character could have a bigger role to play in saving the day if he was the one who discovered the weakness of the demon. Additionally, his character could be the one who rallies the Ghostbusters and helps them to defeat the demon. Not a bad idea. So I decided to push a little further. I said, can you write the speech that he uses to rally the Ghostbusters? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Ghostbusters. We can't let this demon win. We have to stand together and fight. We are the only ones who can stop it. Come on, let's show this demon what we're made of. So, you know, on paper, it's a bit mad, but I think I think Moranis could, could make that work. And, you know, just to close it out, I said, um, you know, how could Bill Murray reply to that? Because, you know, it's all about the banter, isn't it? And uh, Al said. Bill Murray's character could reply by saying something like, all right, let's do this. I thought that wasn't very Bill Murray. So I said, okay, could Bill Murray make his reply more funny? <laughs> And uh, Hal said... Bill Murray's character could reply by saying something like, all right, let's do this, and then he could make a funny face. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Hal is, uh, you know, very smart, but she hasn't quite figured out humour. He could say it and do a funny and face. Do a funny <laughs> so... It's pretty funny. 
Oh, I have seen this. Okay, so uh, uh, for those who aren't in the in the team's chat, <laughs> Greg said the link to the first stand-up comedy special written entirely by bots. And now that I've seen the thumbnail, I remember I have seen this. Let's play a little bit of this because it's, it's, it's zany, isn't it? Please welcome to the stage a comedian. I just had birthday, turned an older age. I am now so old my birth certificate is death certificate. <laughs> How are dentists real? You touch enough tooth and get a job working in my mouth. I hate the economy. (laughs) Politics are happening again. There are too many flags. If flag wave at me, I have to wave back or I am canceled by culture. Free speech, not no more. Costs $17. Just jesting. <laughs> I'm kidding you all. To prove I am kidding, here are some kids. <laughs> Get off stage. Stage is funnier than you. You should be a stage, not a joke DJ. Stop being you. Oh, are you comedian? Or are you airplane food? Because you are bad. I am roasting you good. An airplane will eat you now. It's so weird. It's this so weird because like structurally it almost is. It's like, wait, you almost, I think some comedians do this though. You laugh along and then you realize, wait, was there even a joke there? Or it's just, I just accepted the cadence as a punchline. <laughs> it's, it's a weird. Here is my impression of a microwave. Beep, beep. I am microwave. <laughs> is that what it says later? <laughs> it's, it's uh, hurts my head a little bit. Or maybe that's the hang. There's something about it that is pretty. Uh, yeah, it does. It's like rewiring my brain or something. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's it weird. Um, what was that tool? So you know, that you had. Um, I'll send you a link. What was it called? It's called uh, OpenAI.com. Beta.OpenAI.com. Check it out. You got to sign up, but it's legit. I'm pretty sure. Um, if you don't hear from me next week, it's because the Russians got me or something. Ooh. But uh, Ooh, it's cool. Um, you can just ask it questions and shit. I asked it to come up with a plot for a horror movie. I asked it how we could get Jean-Claude Van Damme to sell Nike shoes. Uh, I came up with a few campaign ideas. Okay. It's pretty, obviously you could tell, you know, it's not that good. <laughs> but it's the kind of thing where if, it's, if, if this is where it is today, it's going to exponentially get better and before you know it, we won't have jobs. Because um, mm. that shit's crazy. That yeah. shit's crazy. Now, I don't know if it nailed the repitch, but one thing I was thinking with the repitch, though, that it might have been cooler instead of slime to make it music-based. Okay, I'm listening. A, because it's fun. Music's fun. B, because um, Sigourney Weaver is a Tubist. cellist. Cellist. Until this movie when suddenly she's a paint, painting restorer. Um, so it could have you could have avoided that. <laughs> square peg round hole scenario and the ending is music so it could have been interesting that there was i don't know like the equivalent of the brown note or something that is the evil note or something (laughs) 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 everyone shit their pants (laughs) the brown note (laughs) tell us more about the brown note i don't know is it a real thing i don't know from have you seen that episode of south park yes yeah the brown note Allegedly wow. makes you shit your pants. Mm. Wow. 
Jesus Christ. <laughs> so we do the New York test. Yeah. See how New York it is. So how New York is it? Is it really shot there? Yes. Now, famously in the first one, they just kind of like randomly shot in public without permits and things because no one knew what they were doing. This time they couldn't get away with that so much. But because Ghostbusters was so big, they were being invited everywhere. So they, 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 we, got, we got real New York here. Mm. And um, actually on that, you know, we got a bit, we got a, we covered the gamut. We got some Upper East Side, we got some downtown, we got a bit of everything. But I was, I think it came up last week because we we're talking about New York apartments and how unrealistic they are in films. And I was quite taken by Venkman's apartment, um, which I looked up, which is 644 Broadway, which okay. is just a couple of blocks from where I sit right now oh. in, uh, in NoHo. And, uh, all the recent sales in that building are three to four million dollars. Yeah, and all the rentals are sixteen to twenty thousand dollars a month. <laughs> so there you have it. So he must have banked a little bit of money somewhere. That talk show, whatever that was, mm, on the Spooks one, public access, must have paid well. Mm, better than we realized. <laughs> Is New York inextricably linked to the plot? Fuck it, more than anything we've ever done, I think, right? More than I anticipated because, mm. like I said, I forgot what happened in most of this movie. I just thought it was set in New York and it's a good excuse to do Ghostbusters too. But this is the most New York-based plot that we've covered because it's about New Yorkers and their attitude and all this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, which, to be fair, New Yorkers are some of the nicest people on the planet. Oh, yeah? Maybe that's just because coming from Sydney where everyone's, you know, it's not that people aren't nice, but people are very people aren't very nice here. People aren't uh, people don't talk to people. Mm. I think people don't go out of their bubble. You're robbing them. Yeah, yeah. To the point where when people would talk to me in New York when I first came here, I I was highly suspicious, and then I realized they were just being nice. <laughs> it's never yeah. happened in Sydney before. Mm. Why are you talking <laughs> to me? Um, iconic New Yorker cameo. No. But there's Cheech in there for some reason. Cheech? Um, Statue of Liberty? Statue of Liberty, true. And Brian Doyle Murray. Uh, he's in there. And actually speaking of, one thing I did notice, it's not quite a New Yorker cameo, but it is a New York, some New York linkage, was how many familiar Seinfeld faces are in this film. Oh, really? I didn't notice. Yeah, so Brian Doyle Murray is in the Bubble Boy episode. He's the Bubble Boy's dad. Oh, of course, yeah. Another actor called Dave Florek, who was one of the cops telling him to move along when they were drilling the the, mm-hmm. the, the pavement. Um, but uh, I can't remember who he was in Seinfeld, but you see his face and you recognise him. Um, Phil Baker Hall, who was Bookman. You remember the library police guy in Seinfeld? Uh-huh. He was in it. Kevin Dunn, he was... Um, who was he in this? He was he was in the early one of the first scenes in this film, um, but he's the guy that wanted to be friends with Jerry, and Jerry didn't really want to be friends with him. Mm. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, the mayor, David Margulis, he was the guy. I think it was Seinfeld's financial advisor, and they thought he was on drugs or something, but he was just allergic to the the wool or whatever. Mm. Um, so there were there's like six Seinfeld actors in this. It's cool. Which maybe, I don't know, there's a lot of guest actors on Seinfeld. Maybe that's average for any movie. I don't know. But we'll never they know. stood out to me. 
these I obviously looked these people up after, but they stood out to me in the rewatch, which has never happened before. Uh, Bobby Brown is he New Yorker? No, probably not. He was in it. Yeah, his, music, his music's in it. His music's in it too. Yeah, and then you know, finally, last but not least, is the name on the tin? And no, it's not. But it very easily could have been, as we mentioned. Mm. Come on, yeah, they, idiots, yeah, missed, missed opportunity. You gotta get the colon in there. Gotta get the colon in there. So it's a, I mean, it's a very New York movie. Then um, plot wise, it's probably the most closely linked. Um, I would go so far as to say, yes, the the city is a main character mm. um, and mm. is eventually personified by the the spirit of Lady Lady Liberty herself, or Libby, as mm. she became Libby. affectionately referred to. Um, yeah. Should we get into the verdict? Should we get into the real verdict though? Does it hold up? Oh yeah. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Uh, my overall thought on this one, Greg, I think we've kind of covered it. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Middle of the road at best. It's like if there's a band you like, I'd still listen to the, their second album that's not as good just so I can have more of the band. So I guess it's kind of like that. Um, I don't hate it. Yeah, that's a nice analogy. It's, just, it's fine. Give you an astute for that. Yeah, give you one of those. Wow. Wow. Oh, I did a double. Wow. Peter McNichol's um, good. We didn't talk about Peter McNichol. Who's that? Who's oh, the guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was good. Janosch. Why does he have that weird accent? He added all that shitty accent and stuff. Like, just yeah, it's to, ridiculous. It's hilarious. It was supposed to be more of a straight man originally, apparently. And then he, he was like, that. I've got some thoughts. Yeah. He nailed it. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, respect. You know what? Yeah, he might be in the MVP zone for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. what's, what are your, what's your final verdict on this one? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was um it it wasn't as good as I remember, but as you say, you're like, well, I like your band analogy, that's a good one. I'll go with that. Yeah. I'll probably end up watching it again, but it's definitely it hasn't got a sh- like like it doesn't it's nowhere near as good as number one. No idea. No idea. No idea, yeah. Fair, fair. Uh did Simpsons do it? I mean they've we I don't know if they've done explicitly Ghostbusters 2, but they've done Ghostbusters 1, which we've, we've covered before. Um, porn parody. I mean, all of these are pretty hard to do with sequels because I don't think there's a Ghostbusters 2 porn parody. Mm. Porn parody. Bechdel test. No. I don't know. There's probably someone smarter than I in the feminist world could probably break down the pros and cons of um, Annie Potts' character. I feel like it's probably... A positive build, maybe. Even though our articulation of it is she's hot, but you know, she's got some agency here. She's making moves on Big Man Moranis. Yeah, that, that's something. She's a boss. It's <laughs> something. She's got a cool haircut. You got Dana restoring cool glasses. <laughs> that's important. FX test. It's a yes for me. You know, we're yeah. still in the same ballpark as it's the previous one. A, yeah, I mean, if you're being critical. You'd say they didn't really progress at all from the last one five years earlier. True. 
Um, recast these. That's a hard one. Mm. I mean, it's been we've got new ones. That late nineties cast was pretty bang on. Rudd is great casting, mm. but yeah, I can't think of anyone else. Man, who who would be a iconic? Like, who's the perfect Ghostbuster type? No, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. <laughs> yeah, he'd be all right. Probably too old now. Bill Murray, I guess. And there's a whole Apatowian thing you could do, I guess, but that's pretty meh mm-hmm, at mm-hmm, this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe like a Ryan Gosling Tom Holland? paired with Michael B. Jordan. Tom Holland, <laughs> Michael B. Jordan, and Zendaya. There you and go. Zendaya. Maybe some Shia LaBeouf in there. Yeah. Oh, why not? Bosch, she goes out with film. We just wrote a hit. I was actually get the AI back on the line. One by one, they get murdered. <laughs> we just need those guys. We just need a script. Uh, we've got the script. We just need those actors and they can die one by one. And <laughs> David Fincher's going to direct. Um, yeah. It's going to be a sequel to Seven. Yeah. Um, what's that other movie? <laughs> Final Destination, one by one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's nice. And Fincher's a bit I forgot. I actually had, had, Ernie Hudson, had Ernie Hudson down as my MVP. Did you? Yeah. I think that was more because I mean he was he was great, but I don't know the other guy maybe gets a smidge ahead. I'll give it to yeah, I'll gonna give it to Janosch. I just obviously Ernie Hudson was so underserved in the first one, and I felt like he got mm. a bit more to do this time round, and so I, I was all for that. But yeah, yeah, other old mate, and then Moranis too. Yeah, Moranis was it's good. tough. Low key, low key, Annie Potts. Yeah, and then the other guys just know. <laughs> yeah. What are we doing? Are we going to do kids? I don't know. Is that, a, is that the next movie we're going to do? I don't feel like watching it. <laughs> it's so hectic. <laughs> it's uh, pretty I've, dark, I've watched isn't Euphoria it? recently, you know. I don't, uh. Fuck, it is basically that, isn't it? Hmm. Maybe we could do a brighter one. Hmm. Go back to, we've got a short list. We'll go back to that and we'll make a decision, hmm. wise decision. Maybe we'll put a poll on the socials. Yeah, let's get some crowd crowdsource it. Ask the AI. Ask the AI, perhaps. Yeah, that's true. It's a good point. And then we're back at JCVD, and we'll have a whole new miniseries after that, I suppose, won't we? This is this I will guess. be the next week. Will be the final New York. I mean, obviously, we're not going to not do any more New York movies. There's plenty to do, and we'll do them all year round. But you know, it's all about packaging, baby. <laughs> exactly. Until then, hey, be sure to leave a review. On Apple Podcasts, oh, if you yeah, haven't already. Helps. And you know what? I heard through the grapevine that you can leave a star rating on uh, Spotify these days. So why don't you why don't you go ahead and help uh, help us out? And, uh, yeah, just just hit the thing. Leave us a fiver. Give us a lady Godiva. Yeah, help. Um. Until then, we'll see you next week, gang. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Into yeah. our unknown final New York movie. Wow. Yeah. That is not kids. <laughs>